Well, yesterday sucked, and then it was like kind of interesting, and it just sucked again. Why? You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Hope everybody's having a wonderful Thursday, and holy crap, do we have so many things to cover. I'm going to try to do my best to cover it all in this episode of the podcast because a lot of things have uh, pretty much infuriated me for a lot of different reasons. But yesterday was a huge day for Razorback Sports News. In fact, it's one of those days to where it all happened in the afternoon and evening to where I was just itching to, to be able to get on the podcast and talk about it. So we'll try to work through it all, talking football and basketball and some of the craziness that happened yesterday. And we'll, of course, start with the football side of things where Kendall Bryles is officially going to TCU to become the new offensive coordinator. I did a podcast on this a few days ago, and I talked about this when the rumors were first coming out that maybe, just maybe, it was a possibility that it was Jimmy Sexton playing games. I had a theory behind the negotiations between Arkansas and Kendall Bryles and with Jimmy Sexton as far as getting the pay raise and extension and all of that. And my theory was that uh, there was only so much that under your check in Arkansas were going to pay Kendall Bryles, and it was not good enough for them. So he's moving on to TCU. That is my theory. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly the true reason as to why he decided to go to TCU and stay in, instead of staying at Arkansas in the SEC with one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, KJ Jefferson returning or your great running backs or you know what you've kind of built and what you promised KJ to run it back this year. But uh that would be my guess. That's just my assumption, my reckless assumption if you will, that Kendall Bryles did not get the raise or money that he and Jimmy Sexton wanted. So when the offer, or at least when the option came to go to TCU, he leaped at that opportunity. And so uh, this was all being reported yesterday. I think Football Scoop was the first one to put it out there. Brandon Marcello ended up uh, following up from 24-7 Sports. And there you have it. So apparently this was a deal, according to Brandon Marcello, that Bryles had been weighing this offer to join TCU since this past Saturday. Uh, it was just two weeks after the whole deal with Mississippi State where he was uh, being contacted there by possibly being the offensive coordinator. I think the reports were saying that they're going to pay him $1.9 million per year. But he tweeted out, hey, run it back uh, with K.J. Jefferson and everything. And it's like, if because I'm, I'm looking at that tweet that he put out. I'm going to read it verbatim. Looking forward to 2023 with KJ Jefferson. Hashtag running back at Razorback Football. Obviously, that did not happen. Did not happen. So you have a situation to where you're going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator, or perhaps you've already found one, and that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment, as you can see. But I will give my reactions to this. Kind of it was kind of a different thing of like there was a very emotional reaction at the very beginning because it was so shocking. And after letting it kind of sit a little bit, I felt like uh, this was probably the opportune moment. Because what's funny is I actually recorded a full podcast yesterday afternoon after the news came out. And then I was going to wait to post it this morning. But then because of some developments and things that changed, I'm like, yeah, it's probably just best if I wait, which was good because I got again the chance to kind of sit on it and 
think about it and let it stew a little bit for uh, what it means. And here's my thing about my reaction, my thoughts, my opinions on Kendall Bryles. As you know, on this podcast, I've been a pretty big defender of Kendall Bryles. I felt like he so many times was unfairly overly criticized for certain things. Not saying that he didn't make mistakes because he did. Not saying he didn't do things I didn't like because he did. But when people were talking about how trash he was, how he was awful, he needs to be fired. I, I did not I did not get down with that at all. That was dumb. Kendall Brawls offensively had a top 15 offense last year. He people were giving up to coming after me saying that, oh, well, you know, he's he's didn't develop quarterbacks, which I also believe is a false farce because I think KJ got better from 2021 to 2022. His, his stats back that up. Uh, you can make the argument about the whole Malik Hornsby situation, but to me, that was more about him not being able to stick in the position of quarterback and moving to wide receiver because they wanted to get him on the field. But, you know, again, I'm not saying he's perfect, not saying he didn't make mistakes, but I do believe he was one of the best offensive coordinators in the SEC and a guy that Arkansas was very fortunate to have for three years and going on four years because that usually doesn't happen. So I always liked him. I thought he was a good OC. I thought that the offense, especially when everybody was healthy, was really effective. I mean, you couldn't ask for any more balance than what you had when Arkansas rushed for about 2,500 yards, and they also threw for about 2,500 yards. Like, you can't ask for more than that. Uh, red zone was a problem, but that wasn't always just a play-calling thing. Like, that was the thing that always people would bring up. Well, his red zone offense was terrible. It's like, yeah, but there's more than just play-calling when it comes to red zone offense. I think the strength and conditioning problem was a big part of it. Uh, I think the, the physicality kind of goes into it, especially they're close to the goal line, was a major problem with it. To where if you can't line up and get you two or three yards with the rushing attack, you have to change your play calling because you don't you don't have the confidence in getting that done. So I think that was all uh, an element into it. Not saying, again, he's not without blame, but I think that that was just a lot of times the unfair criticism. That being said, the way this went down was awful and atrocious. The way it was handled was terrible. I am always somebody who does not blame coaches, especially for going out and getting out better opportunities to move up in the coaching world. That's what you should want at your university. You should want assistant coaches that rise through the ranks, do such a good job that they get hired as a head coach or in a better position, and they end up being successful. Barry Odom is a great example of that. Barry Odom, they had their major issues defensively this year, but Barry Odom, Wish him nothing but the best. Goes to UNLV, becomes a head coach. I get it. I understand it. Wish you the best of luck, coach. Appreciate what you did. But when you do what Kendall Bryles did and saying that we're going to run it back, KJ Jefferson, all that rumor about us in Mississippi State, ha, not happening. I turned down that $1.9 million deal to coach at the SEC level or SEC West level in a lateral move or in some cases even a backwards move over there to Mississippi State. We're running it back. We're going to get it done. Well, when you say that, people are going to hold you to it, especially when you put it up on social media and you tweet about it. People are going to hold you to it. And then while people are holding it that to you and two weeks later, less than two weeks later, it's announced that you are going to TCU to be the offensive coordinator. People are going to say, all right, you are on my list. 
we don't like you anymore. Even the defenders of Kendall Bryles are going to say, we don't like you because you told us you were coming back and you didn't. Regardless of what happens, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but regardless, you cannot in any walk of life be able to say, I'm coming back or I'm going to do something and in a very public manner, say I'm going to do something and then in a short period of time after, you completely change your mind and you leave. You quit on the team. That's how people are going to view it. You quit on Arkansas. You went to TCU. That's how it's being viewed. Right or wrong, that's the way That's the way I look at it. You shouldn't just not tweeted anything at all. I understand that the TCU job opened up, and if it wasn't for Clemson hiring away Garrett Riley from TCU, this probably isn't even a thing, and probably Kendall Browse is staying, I would assume. But I just, I take issue with that. I take issue with anybody that does that. You know, the same thing, I took issue with Jordan Dominic, where he tweeted out that he's coming back next year and then doesn't. I take issue with that. I We don't know exactly what the ins and outs are. But you can't come out and say, I'm doing something in a public manner, then don't do it and expect everything to be fine. Like, you cannot handle it that way. So Kendall Brawls, and here's the thing, Kendall Brawls doesn't give two rips about what I think or what you think or what anybody in Arkansas thinks. I don't blame him. He shouldn't. It's his life. It's his family. But that being said, you got to understand where like people that are defending Kendall Riles are saying that it's a, it's a better job. It's not. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, TCU played in the national championship last year for sure. But that's an exception to the rule. Like that's, that's a, just a great run and a great season where they got blown out 65 to seven. And you can't tell me that TCU, a private school there in Fort Worth, can offer the same types of things that Arkansas can in the SEC. Now, I'm not talking about wins and losses because I know people are going to be like, oh, TCU is such a better program. They got more, they got so much many more wins and they have more success. Yes, you're right. You're right. But when it comes to having the money to go along with the ability, being in the SEC with the facilities and everything to go along with that, Arkansas has plenty of it, especially when you have, again, KJ Jefferson coming back for one more year. So this is something to where I, I uh, again, I think it's, I think it's a, just a raw deal. I think Sam Pimmon got a raw deal. I think KJ Jefferson especially got a raw deal. I feel bad for him because, again, he was told by his coach and his coordinator that he's coming back, and he's not. And we've yet to hear anything from anybody on the matter. But it's just really one of those frustrating things to where I, I'm, it's, it, it's so annoying. It's, it's really annoying. It's really annoying that this is uh, something that had to had to happen <laughs> and the way it happened and how it was handled. So good luck, Kendall. But it's hard for me to defend you anymore when you pulled what you did. Just saying. It's not it's not cool, man. It's not cool. Not cool at all. Just don't say anything. Just don't tweet out anything. And it's probably not even an issue. But the constant flirtations, I think, also wore on people pretty thin. Jimmy Sexton, all that. Like, every year, Kendall Browse is getting flirted with a different job. And that was kind of annoying, too. So, But we'll talk about who's next for Arkansas in the offense coordinator position here in just a second. But first, got to tell you about BetOnline.net being your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. 
from NFL football with the playoffs going on to basketball. They've got it all. If you love sports podcasts, they have those at BetOnline as well, and they're always the fastest and easiest way to get all your sports betting info. So head over to the website or use your mobile device today over at BetOnline, where the game starts. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so moving on with the next segment of the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Well, it's pretty quick moving because Arkansas loses Kendall Bryles, but not surprising in the way that Sam Pittman handles things. Uh, you got Dan Enos, the former offensive coordinator for Arkansas, and the current, at least at this point in time, quarterback coach for Maryland returning to the U of A as OC. Now, this was being reported all across the board. Brandon Marceau, again, on top of all of this from 24-7 Sports. But uh, apparently, according to the sources, uh, they, he has officially been hired, and the announcement will be here shortly, and other people picked up on it as well. Arkansas had Dan Enos as their play caller from 2015 to 2017 on Brett Bielma's staff. And then, of course, Sam Pittman was on that offensive line uh, as a coach there in the first year. And after 2017, after 2016, or after 2015, Sam Pittman left to go to Georgia. And then in 2016, I guess, is when Kurt Anderson came in. And then Danny knows uh, took over and was there until uh, he ended up moving on. And I believe after that, kind of jumped around a little bit. I know he coached on Alabama for a bit. He was actually supposed to be the offensive coordinator there for a split second. And then he kind of left. It's kind of a weird story. He was at Miami for a bit, too. And now he's going to or then he was at Maryland and coaching uh, to attack of brother Talia. And now he's coming to Arkansas. So it was kind of a weird thing, too, because yesterday uh, Talia Tagovailoa said that he was returning to Maryland. And then, like, hours later, he's being reported that Danny Enos was leaving. So I don't know if that had anything to do with the other. But still, uh, he's going to be coming back, which is pretty crazy considering I didn't I didn't think it was going to be Dan Enos. I'll be, I'll be honest. I didn't think that that was a realistic deal. I thought maybe it was kind of a joke being thrown around. But, no, it, it's, it looks like it's reportedly happening. and. If you're trying to look at the success that uh, he had at Arkansas in 2015, uh, they averaged 36 points per game at Arkansas. The best average at Arkansas the last 11 seasons, which is also good enough for second in the SEC that season. And they were just one of two FBS programs with a 3,000-yard passer and a 1,300-yard rusher in both 2015 and 2016. He developed quarterback Brandon Allen into a prolific quarterback for the Razorbacks, which, if you guys remember... Uh, Brandon Allen in his final year in the first year of Dan Enos just went leaps and bounds above what he had done before. Just an incredible season. And Dan Enos was the reason for a lot like that. Um, uh, the, we, the weirdest thing about this, though, is how the offense is going to look under Enos because from what everybody remembers, and I'm sure you all do, it was not the same of what Kendall Bryles was running. In fact, it, it's pretty, pretty different because you have uh, – I'm not going to call it just a full-on pro style, but definitely more pro style than def, uh, than what Kendall Browse was running at Arkansas. But for those of you who are wondering about what uh, he did at Maryland for as a as the quarterback coach there too, uh, they the Terrapins averaged 28 points per game in the Big Ten. That was fourth, and also uh, Enos's offense set numerous school records during his first season at Maryland, where they had the uh, all-time single season. Record for total yards at 5740, passing yards 3960, completions 339, and completion percentage at 
So if you're just looking at his ability there in Maryland, the most recent deal, granted it was Talia Tagovailoa, he's done really good, but the numbers were incredible and bro- breaking records right and left there at uh, at Maryland. Oh, I forgot about this. So Enos is also the running backs coach at Cincinnati. And then the offense, and that was in 2020, and then the offensive coordinator there in Miami in 2019. He coached alongside my, Mike Loxley. He's now at Maryland, but they were on the Alabama staff in 2018. He was the quarterback's coach then, to which Alabama won the uh, SEC championship. So he's had plenty of, like, you think about some of the quarterbacks he's coached. Like, he was at Alabama in 2018 when they won the SEC championship. And so, like, if you think about, you know, the types of quarterbacks that were going through the program at uh, that point in time. In fact, you can just look, I guess you can just look at the starter. Uh, But they had Tua. It went from Jalen Hurts into Tua in the time that he was there. So he was coaching Tua Tagovailoa. He coached Talia Tagovailoa. So both Tagovailoa brothers. Coached them both. Coached Brandon Allen. Um, When he was at a place like Cincinnati, he was running backs coach, but they had success on their offense there too. So I can't wait to see it. I honestly can't wait to see what he does with KJ Jefferson. I think it'll be good for KJ Jefferson in the quarterback development side. Cause again, say what you want about Dan Enos, the dude can develop quarterbacks and has always done a really good job of it. So I'll be, I'll, I'll really be curious about that. I know here's the thing, what we know about Dan Enos, we know that he can develop quarterbacks. Cause I think what he did with Brandon Allen and Austin Allen, both were incredible. Uh, but again, both threw for over 3000 yards in back-to-back years. And KJ's gotten to 2,500, but not only on top of that, but they ran for 1,000 yards too. With Alex Collins in 2015 and then 2016, they had Raleigh Williams run for 1,000 yards. So I know the dude can coach offense. I know he's got familiarity at Arkansas. He's proven that he can have a successful offense at Arkansas. So the more I think about it, the more I'm, I wouldn't say I'm you know, full on on board excited. Hey, right where he picked up, uh, pick up right where he left off, all that. I'm not going to go that far. But I will say that I am impressed. Like, I'm impressed that this is at least something that there's familiarity and you kind of have an idea of what to expect. You kind of have an idea of, all right, well, this may work. We've seen it work before. And shoot, if Dan Enos can do that under Brett Bielema, you can do it under Sam Pittman. Because I was always under the understanding that Sam Pittman and Dan Enos kind of were off kilter a little bit because of the way that the offense was run. But it doesn't look like it's the case if he's hiring. So I like the hire. I do. We'll see if it plays out. We'll see if it works out. But you could have done a lot worse. And again, I like the element of the fact that Danny has just coached a lot of great quarterbacks, great college quarterbacks, and made them into efficient, high-level, um, pro-style type of QBs. I mean, Tua's doing pretty good in the NFL. Talia will probably go into the NFL. Brandon Allen, I mean, he's still in the NFL serving as Joe Burrow's backup which, again, I think most quarterbacks in the history of quarterbacking would love to do. So I'm for it. I'm on board. Let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, but uh, he's definitely walking into a situation where he has a lot of good players around him. We'll see if uh, he can make it work there, too. Uh, we're going to talk basketball and all that. I may go on a massive rant. We'll see on the other side of the break. But first, got to tell you about Bilt Bar. Uh, if you're looking for delicious treats but don't want all the fat and calories to come along with it, you got to try Built Bar. Listen, we went through the holidays. Now we're in the new year, trying to make sure that we stay as healthy as possible, go to the gym a little bit more, eat a little healthier, and it can be tough. But with Built Bar, it's easy because it tastes great. It's healthy for you. It's got a lot of protein and not many calories or sugars. So 
it works in the best of both worlds. You don't want to be somebody that's out there where you're constantly having to, you know, make these extra foods or taste or eat things that don't taste good. Because let's be honest, when you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to eat healthier, that's one of the main reasons why it's so tough to eat healthy because nothing tastes good. Nothing tastes as good as everything else. But in this case, you get something that tastes as good as a candy bar, but it's healthy for you. It doesn't sound, it sounds too good to be true, but it's absolutely true. And you got to check it out. You can go to their website at built.com, see all the different delicious flavors that they have, but you can also get them at your local Walmart and Sam's club. So if you go to the pharmacy section of Walmart or Sam's club, you can see the four bar box or the 13 bar box with different flavors to choose from there too. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. So go and check out again, built bar at built.com and also at your local Walmart and Sam's club. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Okay. So final segment of the locked on Razorbacks podcast, Arkansas lost another basketball game last night to Missouri on the road. All right. Yeah. They lost 79 to 76 frustrating game. Arkansas is in a bad spot. They're now one and five in conference play. And it's it's just tough. It's it's really annoying and frustrating right now. It's tough. I feel bad for us. I feel bad for these teams or for this team that of these players that are trying to uh, do the best they can. I think the effort's there. I think they're doing some really good things. But every so often, things just happen in these games that keeps Arkansas from getting over the hump. And even Muss talked about in his press conference last night. He's like, his team has yet to figure out how to win. When it's late in the games and it's a close game, they've yet to figure out how to win these games. So I'm going to preface all this by saying that Arkansas is the one that's the second straight 10-point lead that they've blown on the road. Granted, this one was a little later in the game. Uh, you know, they've had their issues. They had their issues in this game, too, and they had their opportunities. But there were so many egregious calls in this game by the officials that it really made it tough for Arkansas to be able to finish out a game or even try to win with the amount of guys that fouled out and the amount of situ uh, problems that Arkansas had and everything. Like, I I'm even looking at it. Arkansas got 21 turnovers in this game. You're not going to win any games where you have 21 turnovers. That's just a fact. It's way too many. Way, 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 way too many compared to uh, Missouri, who had 12. And off those turnovers, uh, Missouri had 31 points off of those 21 turnovers. That's huge. And that arguably could be one of the biggest differences in the game itself between the two teams as far as the matchups go. But here's the thing. Arkansas had four players foul out in this game. Four. Must said after the game, he's never been in a game, coached a game, been a part of a game where four players on his team fouled out in a regulation game. Devo Davis fouled out. Makai Mitchell fouled out. Kamani Johnson fouled out. And Jordan Walsh fouled out. And on top of that, Anthony Black, Joseph Pinion, both had three fouls. And Ricky Council had four. Arkansas was called for 33 fouls in this game. Missouri was called for 23 fouls. So 10 foul difference there. And I, I just, I, I, kiss, I can't believe this. Like, not every call was trash, but... I wish I could show the highlights. I really wish I could show them and, and just show the egregiousness of it. The one that was called against Makai Mitchell for his fifth foul was trash. Horrendous call. One that was called against Rinky Council when uh, he it was called, called for an offensive foul and the guy just kind of jumped up into him and it got called. It, it was awful. The majority of the game down the stretch was 
like the 10 point run or I guess uh, Arkansas blowing that 10 point lead, it all came from, or at least it stemmed from the fact that Missouri was able to take free throws. Like, yeah, Arkansas didn't make their shots and everything. Like there was times that they had opportunities too. But li listen to this, listen to this. Arkansas led by 10 points with seven minutes to play, right? 10 points, they're up double digits. And each team had 22 free throws, the exact same amount. 22 free throws, 22 free throws. Fine. But after that, in the final six minutes and 48 seconds, Missouri goes 16 of 18 from the free throw line. Arkansas goes four of four. Now, there's lots of contact on both ends. There was some that were bad calls, some that were good calls. But you can't tell me that watching that game, anybody who watched that game could say that, you know what? Yeah, Arkansas in the final seven minutes of the game, they just got out of hand and Missouri was playing really sound, really sound uh, defense. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I saw at least, at least that I could say off the top of my head, four different fouls that Arkansas either, or four different times that Arkansas did not get foul calls that they should have. And then probably five or six different times where Arkansas did get called for a foul that they shouldn't have. It just got out of control. 33 fouls. And here's a great stat for you just to add to it. So this is all the things that Arkansas did better than Missouri last night. They made one additional field goal, which is so dumb. Again, this happens. They made one additional field goal. They had a better field goal percentage. They have more three-pointers made, which is shocking, and better three-point percentage. Arkansas went 7 of 17 compared to Missouri. Arkansas, for once, also had better free throw percentage. They shot 23 of 26 from the free throw line. 88%. Arkansas also beat them in rebounds. They out-rebounded them significantly. They also beat them in offensive and defensive rebounds, by the way. Like both, not just one-sided, but both. And they also beat Missouri in assist. 12 assists to 8 assists. The only things that Missouri was better at than Arkansas last night was free throws made and attempted, fouls, and turnovers. That was the only thing. Turnovers are there for sure, but I just don't understand how you can look at that game and see what's fair. Like, how is that good for college basketball? Musk is not going to talk about the officials, but luckily I can. This has to stop. This type of stuff has to stop. You could say that I'm like, and the people are getting at me because tired of you blaming the refs. I, I don't care. I do not care. You can call it a cop-out answer, whatever you want. Fine. It happens on occasion. It has happened way too often this year, though. Way too often. It's one thing if it's one game. It sucks, but you move on. But there's been multiple games this year, at least for Arkansas, and I'm sure it's like this for college basketball a lot of different places. So I'm not even just saying it's unique to Arkansas. But the officials have just taken over the game. Who wants to watch a quality college basketball game between two teams where literally – Total, you have again, 56 fouls. The game is 60 minutes long. No, I'm sorry, 40 minutes long. And you have 56 fouls. Are you kidding me? You're talking about nearly a foul and a half every minute of the game. Who wants to watch that? Who? Missouri took 14 more free throws than Arkansas in this game. 
They had nobody foul out. Arkansas had four players foul out. And I don't care what anybody says. Shouldn't blow a lead. Shouldn't blow a lead. Okay. You try playing and trying to win the game where you have two, three, and then four of your players that are important to your rotation foul out of the game. And see how it goes towards the end of the game. Not only that, but Jordan Walsh was the egregious one too because he played 13 minutes, had 12 points. Didn't miss a shot. 4-4 four, four from the field, 2-2 two, two from three, 2-2 two, two from free throw. I've been begging him to get going, and he looked like he was really getting going, and he fouls out after 13 minutes. Disgusting. Disgusting. It's just, I, I understand that there is more to it than just the referees in this game. There were bigger problems than that. I understand. But it, well, here's where I'll end it. Here's where I'll end it. It keeps going back to anytime I bring up officiating, I'm going to beat this dead horse. I do not care. But if the officiating is horrendous like this, where you have Makai Mitchell getting called for a foul that didn't happen, you had Anthony Black get called for a foul when he did nothing because a guy like shoved his face. You see Ricky Council get charged with an offensive foul because two Missouri guys kind of just jumped into him. And those are the calls that dictate and have so much impact on this game, especially a close game down the stretch, a very important game for both teams. When those types of things happen, officials need to be held accountable. They need to do press conferences after the game. What'd you see here? What happened? Tell us about it. Coaches have to do it. Players have to do it. Why not officials? I've been saying that since the beginning of time, and I'm going to keep saying it, that they need to be held accountable. And I've had people say, oh, but then it's already so tough to get uh, people to be officials. Okay, we're not talking about Little League or high school basketball. We're talking about high-level sports where there is a lot of money on the line. You're on national TV. Those games, those officials, not the ones that are you know having to deal with volunteering their time, and doing it out of the goodness of their heart. I'm talking about the people that are at the high level. Answer questions about this. And on top of that, I know that Musk is talking about sending things in, which he should. But on top of that, I believe that there needs to be not only more accountability towards the officials, but you also need to have certain things go into place to be able to make this more transparent for everyone watching it. And also asking how do you think this makes basketball good okay how does 56 fouls in a game make the product good or watchable it is absurd how much this is happening it's terrible people are like well you just need to stop fouling no that's not what people come to see that's not what people want to see when they watch college basketball they don't want to see a ref show they don't want to see a bunch of reviews they want to see the game of basketball played. Yes, fouls are going to happen. Yes, things are going to get called. Yes, things are going to get missed. Totally understand that. But when you're talking about a game like this that is dictated so much and impacted so much by officiating to where now everyone's just looking at this as it's the ref show instead of just two teams battling it out and one team becoming the victor over another, that's a problem. I'm sorry, Missouri. Yeah, okay, they won the game, and you got to give them credit. They played good enough to win. But to say that the officiating had no impact on their win is, tr is just trash. It's not true. It's not true. 
It's not true. Arkansas, of course, could have done better things. So could Missouri. Every team could do something better. Every team possibly could do something worse to change the outcome of a game. Of course it is. But you cannot have officiating. You cannot have that many foul calls in a single game and expect everybody to leave and say, you know what? I think that's what uh, I think that's what Naismith had in mind when he was talking about the game of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, that many fouls. We love we like who doesn't love 56 fouls in a regulation game of basketball? Fix it, change it, be transparent, have some accountability and responsibility, own up to it. And the fact that it keeps happening to Arkansas, if it keeps happening in this way too, like there's gonna be a fix. There's gotta be there's gonna be something that's gonna be questioned about it too. What an annoyingly frustrating game. Poor Ar- I feel again, I feel bad for us, feel bad for Arkansas. They're trying, man. They're putting it all together as much as they can. They just uh, they just got a lot of things going against them right now. And so hopefully they turn it around and got an opportunity against Ole Miss this weekend. But, man, I hate you, SEC officiating. And I know you're not affiliated with all the officiating in basketball, but, hey, I hate you so much. Appreciate everybody listening into the Locked on Ragerbacks podcast today. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then.